it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. It is the Guy Benson Show. Guy is off today. It's Rich Zioli from Philadelphia with you this afternoon. A nationwide baby formula shortage. Just imagine for a moment. If a Republican was president, if Trump was president, what would we be talking about right now with mothers right now who don't know if they can feed their newborn babies? Welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us this afternoon. Yeah, that's what's happening right now. That is what's happening. Parents across the country are struggling to keep up with a nationwide shortage of baby formula. And there was a recall recently by Abbott Nutrition and four babies were hospitalized. They had a bacterial bacterial infection. Two died. And so the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, shut down the plant where they made the baby formula in February. They shut it down back in February. Now it's May 9th. And we right now have moms and dads talking about driving around, having to drive with gas prices the way they are, driving around city to city, trying to find formula to feed their babies, and they can't find it. And if they're able to find it, there's limits on how much they can buy, and the prices are going through the roof. And here's something else, too. Nobody's talking about it. The media is literally not addressing this crisis right now. So I want you to put yourself for a moment in in the mind of a voter this November who's, let's say she's a mom and she's got, I don't know, she's got four kids, you know, and she's got a couple kids. She's got the minivan, she's driving around and she stops at the grocery store and she puts all these groceries in her reusable bag because most places now you can't have bags anymore. It's so stupid. I'm in New Jersey the other day. I'm in Wegmans. And my son's there, and I'm getting stuff for Mother's Day brunch, and I forgot my stupid reusable bag. So I didn't – I couldn't – what am I going to carry all this stuff by hand? So I had to pay 99 cents. It's a bag tax now is what it is. So I had to shell out a buck and a bag tax to get a reusable bag. So I got my reusable bag, and now I'm walking around with my reusable bag, and, uh, and I got to pay an extra dollar for it. But now imagine you're one of these parents. You fill up all your groceries in your reusable bag. You check out. You find out now the bill's 200 bucks. 50 bucks more than what you paid just a few weeks ago. You get in the car, you go fill up, and now gas prices have jumped on average 27 cents a gallon in the last week. So they're about nationwide average anywhere from 450 to close to 5 bucks. And now you fill up the tank and it's $100. Now you go drive to another store because the store you were just at didn't have any baby formula. So now you got to drive to Target. Well, no baby formula there. And I drive to Walmart. Well, they have baby formula, but it's not the brand that your newborn baby likes. I guess the question is, do you really believe that that mom is going to rush out and vote Democrat because of Roe v. Wade? Is that what you think? Because I'll tell you right now, the answer to that is a big fat no. No chance is that going to happen. The reality is that when you look at the situation, when you look at where voters are in America right now, What's still on people's minds as of this moment, even though there's this leak that possibly Roe v. Wade will be overturned, what is on their minds right now is everything regarding the economy, and nothing is changing that fact. Nothing. And I just tweeted out there was a story that was uh, from Reuters, and this was a this was a thing, a, a cautionary tale for Democrats hoping to galvanize voters on abortion. And what they talk about in this is when suburban Phoenix, it's a great example of this, even 
Democrat moms, even moms who identify as, quote unquote, pro-choice, like this woman in here, this woman, her name is Laura Wilson. She's a mother of three. She identifies as pro-choice. She voted for Joe Biden. And she knows that Roe v. Wade is probably going to be overturned. Yet, she is still undecided about who she will vote for this November. And abortion rights are not her priority. That's not a priority for her. She said, and I quote, it's the economy and jobs. And she's disappointed in Biden because of high inflation and too many homeless people on the streets. She was one of 21 women interviewed by Reuters in the northern suburbs of Phoenix. And this is a key area for Democratic Senator Mark Kelly's efforts to hold on to his seat. Now, after the ruling broke last week, the, well, the leak anyway, they started asking these women. And, of course, you know, it's Reuters, so they're lefties. They just assume that every woman they talked to was going to say, oh, my God, this is a nightmare. This is the most pressing issue. Uh, wrong. The interviewees were from a key swing demographic group, suburban mothers, who are hotly sought after by both Democrats and Republicans in elections. And they say now they have to, of course, it's Reuters, so they got to caution it. They say, well, this was not a large sample. <laughs> But it does provide a sobering reminder for Democrats that inflation, which has reached 40 year highs, remains the most pressing issue for most Americans who are grappling with soaring food and fuel costs and have given Biden low marks in opinion polls for his economic policies. And they say major, major issue. Now, let's go back to the baby formula crisis for a second. Think about it from this perspective. You are literally right now, if you're a new mom or new dad, you're panicking about whether or not in the United States of America, you'll be able to feed your baby. This is not a third world country. And yet that's the problem you're facing right now. A third world country problem in Joe Biden's America. The the Guardian.com, the headline. Ready? It's a nightmare. Baby formula shortage leaves U.S. parents desperate. Strange supplies are further exacerbated after a recall, but in six states, Texas, Tennessee, North Dakota, South Dakota, Iowa, and Missouri, more than half of all available baby formula in stores was sold out, sold out. And here's something, too, and I, and I have um, been very blessed. We have two children who came to us by way of adoption and then a biological baby who came after that. And all three of our kids have been formula fed because when you adopt, the kids are formula fed. That's just, you know, how you have to do it. And then our baby, Reagan, who's now two, my wife couldn't breastfeed. She tried. It just didn't work out. So all three of our kids have been in formula. I'm thank God out of that window because I can't imagine the panic and the fear to go to CVS or Walgreens and you find out that there's no baby formula on the shelves because we're living like it's 1960s Cuba in the United States of America. And, and, And it's not just as easy to go, well, just get any formula that you want. Babies are actually picky about this stuff, and some of them can't have certain types. My son, I'll give you a great example, my son Patrick, he had a milk protein intolerance. So we tried six different formulas and every one he rejected because babies are, you know, they're, they're picky. And so if they don't like something, they just throw it up. They don't, it's not, they don't go, Oh, sorry, I'm good. They just, it just comes right out. You just, anyway, so my son could not keep down formula. He just couldn't. And we realized soon enough that he had this milk protein intolerance. So we had to get him this Neocate, which is basically made from taking pure gold and melting it down. And then he eats that. And it's very cheap, as you can imagine. It's made from amino acids and it's incredibly expensive. But if I couldn't find that, because the other problem right now is specialty formulas are incredibly difficult to find as well. So you've got parents now relying on social media groups to stay abreast of 
no pun intended, inventory restocks and possible bargains. The groups have been particularly useful for parents whose children require certain types of formulas due to allergies or other medical issues. It's a nightmare, says Ashley Hernandez, a mother of two. A nightmare. Now go back to the other story that I was mentioning about suburban Phoenix. Now talk to this one mom. She's a realtor. She's 46 years old. She said she's pro-choice, but she really doesn't have a strong opinion on it. She said she wants a politician who will take care of pocketbook issues. She just had a grocery shop bill that cost her $400 twice what she used to pay a year ago. (laughs) So I'm supposed to believe that these these moms out there, because it's all about the suburban women voters. We keep hearing about that, suburban women voters. And the usual mainstream corporate media did their thing last week after the row leak when they came out. And they said, well, that's it. The GOP just lost suburban women voters. That's it. They just lost suburban women voters. (laughs) Christy Johnson, 51, described herself as an independent voter. She voted for former Republican President Donald Trump in 2020, but she's also voted for Democrats. Abortion rights are important to her, but inflation is a major, major issue, along with climate change. Now, so so then you think about it from this perspective. You've got these, these moms out there and these dads who the economy is the number one issue. Then you have a whole other group of people who are panicking because they don't even know if they're going to be able to feed their children, not because they can't afford it, although that's very difficult too, but because they can't find the formula. And you know as well as I do that if there was a Republican president, the question right now would be, why is the FDA not reopening this plant after three months? They shut this thing down in February. And why is the president not using whatever authority he has right now to mandate immediately that they start producing more formula? Call up the head of the FDA and say, here's the deal. If that plant is not up and running by 5 p.m. tonight, you're getting another job is the question. But here's the reason why. Because up until really today, this weekend, this has not been a major issue. Parents have been struggling with this, but it hasn't been a major issue. And the reason why is because I think I think the media is covering for Biden again. I really do. I think the the media is covering for, for Joe Biden. And the only reason why they're talking about it right now is because some parents are doing things that are very dangerous, like trying to make their own formula right now. This is the United States of America, and under Joe Biden, parents can't find baby formula. And the parents that can find food, it's so expensive for them right now. They're watching as their grocery bills double. But we're supposed to believe that the only thing on these voters' minds right now is Roe v. Wade. We're supposed to believe that. As of April 24th, 40 to 50 percent of top selling brands of baby formula were out of stock at stores across the United States as desperation among parents grows. Parents and politicians alike have turned their eye on President Biden, who has made no comment about the shortage as of yet. He hasn't. He hasn't said a word about it. Not a word. And he probably, I would imagine, probably has his fair share of baby formula and at least baby food that they give him. But babies can only do formula. They can't do something else. You can't give a baby Gerber baby food. You can't give a baby a steak. It literally comes down to it's either breast milk or formula, and that's it. And for a lot of moms, they just can't, they can't breastfeed their babies. They want to, but they just can't for whatever reason. Congressman Steve Scalise, Republican, tweeting out, parents already have to worry about higher gas prices, expensive groceries, and higher utility bills, and now no baby formula on the shelves. Thanks, Biden. Congressman Jim Banks, this is horrific. In six states, more than 50% of baby formula is out of stock. Across the country, the price of formula is up nearly 20% from last year. Young parents are having to ration food. The disastrous Joe Biden economy is turning into a crisis. I just say, thank God my baby's two now. 
baby Reagan. But I, I can't imagine what these parents are feeling. I, I can just feel the fear and the desperation in what they're going through right now. And that's why you have a black market emerging. And you've got parents who are, you've got some people, I'm not saying they're parents, but some people are going to stores and they're buying as much as they possibly can and they're hoarding it and then they're reselling it. But again, the only thing on voters' minds right now, Roe v. Wade. That's it. That's what Nancy Pelosi wants you to believe anyway. That's what the desperate Democrats want you to believe anyway. But as this cautionary tale from Suburban Phoenix tells us, what voters are thinking about, men and women, and yes, I can define the difference even though, no, I'm not a biologist. The biggest issue is still inflation and the economy. The biggest issue is still inflation and the economy. Or to quote James Carville, it's the economy stupid. Was then, it is now, even though most progressive Democrats will greet that with an okay boomer, as they really don't care. So it's bad news for parents, but good news for Republicans this November on the ballot. No doubt about that. This is The Guy Benson Show with me, Rich Zioli from Philadelphia. Great to be with you. Coming right back. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It is the Guy Benson Show. Welcome back. Rich Zioli with you this afternoon. So talking about this issue of this formula crisis right now that is affecting Americans and amazing how the media is so silent about this. But again, they don't want to make Joe Biden look bad, so they're not going to talk about it. But uh, Fox News, of course, is talking about it. And they had a mom on this morning on the show on Fox and Friends who was discussing this issue. And it's it's scary. I mean, it's really scary for moms out there. It really is. This is Alana Cottrell, who's a mom who spoke to Fox and Friends this morning. And, you know, take into account what I said to you earlier about what the issues are there in voters' minds and just ask yourself, are people going to be voting on Roe v. Wade or things like can't find baby formula to feed my children and also inflation, cut 28? I have been alarmed by the lack of coverage. I've seen a couple of articles here or there, um, but really it seems like this issue is flying under the radar. And, you know, I'm in a position where we have an incredible support system. We were able to stock up to get us through the next few months just through ordering. We're not the people out there clearing shelves, making it worse. But um, we were able to be okay for a little bit. But other than social media and parents talking to parents, I feel like this word really isn't getting out that there is a formula shortage. Um, So really that's my question. Why is there not more attention being brought to this issue? There are parents out there Googling how to make homemade formula and looking at animal milks Mm. and goats and all of this stuff. And that's just really unsafe. And I feel that we're on the verge of a public health crisis if this isn't fixed. Yeah, but all we hear about is COVID. It's the only public health crisis that we want to talk about in this country. A pediatrician warns parents that making baby formula at home can be deadly for their infants as shortages caused by the recall and supply chain crisis lead moms and dads to resort to extreme measures. This is from the Daily Mail. And so this pediatrician has spoken up. His name is uh, her name. should be Sarah Adams, Dr. Sarah Adams. And she points out right now that this can be a real dangerous situation. She wrote to Fox News Digital on Friday. 
And she said that homemade formula recipes that many parents are reportedly making could be actually fatal. She said, I do not, in all caps, recommend making your own formula. The American Academy of Pediatrics strongly advises against homemade formula. These options are not safe and not FDA approved. Infant deaths have been reported. But she says, but it says, though, in the article, despite her claims, there have been no recent reports of deaths related to homemade baby formula. But I I, I just I have to ask the question, why is the FDA not reopening that plant that they shut down in February? What is taking so long? Honestly, what what is taking so long that they can't clean it, figure out where this bacteria came from? This is the incompetence of government again. At least it certainly sounds like it to me that the Food and Drug Administration cannot go in there and restart the production here of this of this baby formula factory. And where's the president of the United States? And will Jen Psaki, the acting president of the United States, will she be asked about this today? Will she be asked about this? Or maybe when she goes to MSNBC, she'll be able to talk about it. I don't know. I guess it's possible. They tracked 11,000 retailers, and they're finding out over 50% of these places are, sell, are sold out. So, yeah, I mean, I guess goat milk. You could turn to goat milk or maybe milk milk, but they're not the babies are not going to get what they need from that. They need to have the formula. This is Joe Biden's America we're dealing with and the incompetence of the FDA. I'm amazed by this. The FDA has also been very busy. You might know this banning uh, e-cigarettes. They've been going after e-cigarettes and going after flavored vaping products. They hate the flavored vapes, strawberry, strawberries and cream. They particularly hate strawberries and cream. Or maybe cinnamon Pop-Tart. They hate that, too. Oh, with such, they just hate it. So they're going after that stuff. They cannot stand it. And they and they turn around all of a sudden, you go, wait, wait, help me understand something now. What are you doing about the baby formula shortage? And they just go, mm, zip it. And then the media says, zip it, too. But moms and dads know. Mom, moms and dads know. When you look at the cautionary tale from that suburban Phoenix analysis of those voters there and you turn to Politico and what the stories are, then look at what's being a focus on Capitol Hill. And I'm going to talk to Byron York about this later in the show today, because Byron York has a piece over at The Washington Examiner about the Democrats abortion bill. And what you're going to find out about that bill is that they only mention the word women in the title of the bill. That's right. That's it. They mentioned the word women in the title, and then the rest of the bill is all about birthing persons. Because we're back. I hope you had a happy birthing person's day yesterday. If you are a, a person who birthed a child, you can't say Mother's Day and you can't say mother anymore, obviously. So I hope if you did, in fact, if you ever have birthed a child, then I wish you, I hope you had a great, happy birthing person's day. My birthing person, wife, she definitely had a good birthing person day because I made her a nice champagne mimosa with fresh squeezed orange. You got to go fresh squeezed. You got to go fresh squeezed OJ for all the birthing people in your life. It's so stupid. Democrats are so stupid, but Republicans are loving this. Republicans on the ballot are loving this. And Joe Biden's America right now. This is where things are. This is the Guy Benson Show. We are going to talk to Shannon Bream straight ahead. Great to talk to her. Don't go away. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Coming down to the 
And Shannon Bream won yesterday because she bet on Rich Strike in the Kentucky Derby. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Guy. I want to welcome to the program Shannon Bream, chief legal correspondent and anchor of Fox News Channel's Fox News at Night with Shannon Bream and the uh, the queen of the Kentucky Derby herself. Hi, Shannon. Hey, Rich. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to talk to you again. Congratulations. What a day. Oh, my goodness. So crazy. I know nothing about horse racing or betting, but months ago we were invited to go with a group of friends to the Derby. So, you know, we played around during the day. My husband would spot a horse that he liked the looks of him, and uh, we would just – that's how we would bet. When we bet on stats and the data and everything, our horses literally came in last place in two races. <laughs> so we said, we're just going to go with our gut and what they look like and what we think. And, you know, that last big Derby race, um, we had some money, and we said, all right, Let's spread it out on some different horses to see if we can win something. So we went with, you know, ones that would make sense, like Epicenter and a couple of others. And I said, you know, let's do it for this long shot, um, Rich Strike that just got in yesterday. I want to pick that horse that just got in. And so I didn't think another thing about it. And and as the race was happening, we were like, what is happening? Um, and the people around us thought that we were crazy. They were asking who we had bet on. And we said, well, this, this, this. And we did Rich Strike just for fun. And they're like, well, that was throwing away money. But they didn't feel that way after the race. So no, no. <laughs> we're just still in shock. <laughs> this wasn't like a Back to the Future thing where you had the betting book or something like that and you knew the I outcome. I take some, any kind of credit. There was nothing but just 100% dumb luck. That's it. <laughs> was it, did you like the look of the horse or was it the name itself? I love the underdog. You know what yeah. I mean? I'd seen, we had been looking at the horses the day before and I saw that Ethereal Strike or Ethereal, I can't remember the horse's name, but anyway, that one took off and so they said well what happens if they bring in the next horse in line and i thought well that's got to be the worst long shot of all you didn't even know until the day before the derby that you're in so i'm like i love that i love that story and there's no planet on which we thought that horse is actually going to win but that's, oh, that's what we great. bet for that horse to win well congratulations i'm sure you had a lot Thanks. of fun and uh that's fantastic uh let me ask you about some of the the protests that are happening right now because liberals seem to be losing their mind as they're celebrating protests outside supreme court justices homes and i heard i don't know if it's true or not that chief justice john roberts and his family had to be relocated uh from his home i mean it's getting very dangerous out there well the thing is that i think regardless of where you are in this issue of abortion or the supreme court or anything else Across the ideological spectrum, we should condemn this kind of stuff. Um, we shouldn't want, just, yes. you know, protesters showing up at Justice Kagan or Justice Breyer's or Sotomayor's. I mean, it just – I think the vast majority of Americans, that's where they're at. Like, listen, free speech, let's get out there. You know, we have protests all day, every day in D.C. But when you go to someone's house and you're making direct threats or scaring their kids and they can't go to work or go to school, I think we've crossed a line that most Americans would agree is not okay. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And we, you know, peaceful protests are one thing, but they're encouraging people to go to their homes and do it. And I just think that there's also something wrong with that. You know, protests in the public square, protests outside the United States Supreme Court. It's not like the justices aren't going to know how you feel about the issue. But when you're, you mm-hmm. just, you cross the line when you go to the home and, and there's kids in the neighborhood and, and neighbors. And I don't think there's any place for that. Well, and listen, we have seen many iterations of this, the whole, you know, meet them at the gas pump and at the grocery store and tell them we don't I think that we have to decide as a society, like, what we're okay with. Should we yeah. chase people out of restaurants? 
is that okay? Is it okay to go to the, the homes? Is it okay to talk to the kids? I mean, we have to figure out where to draw some lines. And there is actually federal law that, that it, it bans you going to a judge's place of work or their residence with the intent of trying to influence or harass them into voting a certain way. And I think a lot of people would have a good argument that we saw some of that this weekend. Um, uh, certainly some people are showing up just to express their displeasure. And wouldn't the craziest head take of all be if that draft opinion isn't the actual final opinion, because all kinds of things can happen and both can change. Um, but I would say most of them are there in what they hope will be an effort to change a justice's vote or their mind. Um, and, and so I think we need to make sure that, you know, where they are on the ideological spectrum, our leaders and our justices and people who um, have very difficult jobs are protected to the extent that, no, not that they're never going to have to hear something they don't like because we all have to hear that every day, um, but that they would actually feel physically threatened or their family. I think that's a different uh, that's a different conversation. Shannon Bream is with me, of course. Uh, she's got a brand new book out as well, which makes a great gift for moms, the mothers and daughters of the Bible speak. Uh, by the way, happy Mother's Day. Did you have a nice day yesterday? I did. I was still recovering from Rich Strike. You know, what can I say? <laughs> um, <laughs> we got back to D.C. last night. And listen, if you messed up and you missed Mother's Day, you can redeem yourself by buying this book. There you That's go. all you got to do. And you're That's out of the all you dog uh, and you put in a very nice picture of you and, and, and your mom on Twitter, right? It was re- really nice that you did yeah. that. I, I think that and, there is – oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, my mom is clearly my greatest role model in life, but she's a horse person, and I had placed a couple bets for her, and she was so super excited um, to kind of live through us vicariously. Um, you know, I FaceTimed her from uh, the Derby, and we, had, we enjoyed that. I mean, but she's, she's somebody who is cheering for you no matter what. When you think about where things are right now in this national conversation, I mean, the Democrats have a new bill out right now on abortion, and they only mention the word women in the bill in the title. And that's it. Byron York has a piece on this today. And the rest of the bill talks about people who can birth children. And, you know, we don't as a nation. It's strange because before the row leak, we were talking about birthing persons and pregnant men emoji. And now we're back to war on women, but not really because they're still afraid to say the word women in in this in this country right now it's very bizarre and extremely woke it's been very interesting to watch because i think it's a reminder for all of us to be consistent about what our positions are what we believe um and, and the principles hopefully we all have some core principles um but i do think it's interesting to watch the language and how it's being parsed and the fact that um you know we do talk about as you said birthing persons and um, you know, being careful with the language, and and we see employers and hospitals and people putting out language guidance for their employees saying, don't use sex-explained language and don't use mother or woman when you're talking about people having a baby. But, but you're right. As soon as um, we get this leaked draft, which could be the opinion that could possibly overturn Roe, um, then it becomes an attack on women's rights. So listen, just let's all try to be consistent. I think that would make it easier to have these conversations. But when we mess with our language, um, it it. It creates a lot of confusion. I think that's the nicest way to say it. And it's a very nice, as you, and you are such a nice person, so that's a very nice way for you to put it, of course. <laughs> I try. Uh, you do a great job with it. You're, you're an inspiration to all of us in these very challenging times. Uh, one of the theories going out there right now, and, I, and I'm curious if you have a, a, any thoughts on this, this NPR reporter who believes that the leak of the possible overturn of Roe v. Wade, and again, it's it's a leak, it's, it's a draft opinion, it may not be the final opinion, but mm-hmm. this NPR reporter believes that this was probably a conservative clerk who put it out there. Uh, Obviously, conventional wisdom seems to believe that it's somebody on the left who's putting it out there to try to at least pressure one of the justices to flip their vote 
before the final vote comes through. But Nina Totenberg of NPR believes that it might be a conservative clerk who put this out there. What are your thoughts on that? I think anything is possible. I really don't think you can rule out anything because this is such an egregious, crazy decision to breach this sacred um, place of business and an institution that most Americans feel pretty good about, although, you know, we're losing confidence in a lot of our institutions. I think where I disagree with Nina is I would not call it the leading theory. Um, I don't think we can rule anything out yet. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a, a scenario I could understand where, you know, at least five justices had voted at some point with Justice Alito, uh, got a look at his opinion, and, and maybe somebody was wavering or wanted to peel off from that opinion, which would then make it not the, the majority opinion of the court. And I can see that someone conservative says, no, I'm going to put this out there and show like there were at least five votes we'd agreed to this. Don't let them get weak in the knees. Make them publicly stand by it. Um, anything's possible. Do I think it's more likely it was somebody on the other side who was sending out a warning shot and, and they view themselves as a whistleblower in light of history? Um, I think that's more likely, but I don't think we can rule anything out yet. I do think the chief is going to get to the bottom of this. I do actually have confidence in him to do that. Do you think that the person deserves to be, I mean, fired, I think we all agree with, but prosecuted. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what happens? Because to your point, Shannon Bream, the, the trust of the Supreme Court is so vital and the justices and the clerks mm-hmm. all have to trust each other and have that camaraderie and know that what they talk about stays secret. They got to have the treehouse of trust here because otherwise, mm-hmm. how can you form opinions on cases and how can you disagree and debate if you know it's all going to be in the public forum? So it, it's really important, as I see it, to make sure that this never happens again by mm-hmm. Handling this unprecedented leak in the right way. Yeah, you're so right. We don't want this to become normal practice where somebody on the right or the left disagrees and blows the whole thing up and leaks the, uh, the draft opinions. The justices can't work together that way. Um, so I, we started immediately thinking, all right, as a law been broken here, there's a debate. Were these classified documents? No, not in the sense of national security. Is it mishandling of government documents? I think I think the trickier thing will be if somebody is questioned at some point by a federal officer or law enforcement officer and lies to them. That would be the easy way to say, okay, they've committed a crime if they get caught doing it. I think the handling of the documents, because this has never happened before, has a lot of us scratching our heads about whether there's actual criminal liability. I mean, I think this person would be disbarred if they're a lawyer. They would clearly be fired, as you said. Um, But really, the criminal part of it is murky. And I think we have to see where this investigation goes. Um, And if the person uh, isn't truthful up front and is caught later, that's a separate criminal liability, potentially. Yeah, it really is. And that's a that's a, a, a very good point you make, because some people are saying, well, no matter what, don't don't prosecute, don't prosecute. But to your point, there might have been actual federal crimes that were broken here. Yeah, we just don't know. I, I mean, it's sort of like um, it really is a, sort of a case of first impression uh, yeah. because we haven't seen this before. And the court is so careful about, you know, printing these documents in house and um, very small universe of people who would be involved had touched or would have access to these documents. They use an intranet system so that there's no outside connection for a hacker to get into their system or their their emails. So there are serious precautions in place, but that does a great service in that it now narrows the universe of people who could have had access. And I think that helps a lot with the investigation. I think you're right about that. So Shannon Bream, now that you've won it all at the Kentucky Derby, what's next for you? Where do we go from here? (laughs) Um, Disney World? Isn't that what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Back to work.
That's what I'm told. Back to work, Bream. Um, so I'll see you Monday through Friday for Fox News at night. We'll continue SCOTUS coverage through the day. I think I'm filling in for Brett one day this week. I'll see you there. And this Sunday, I'm uh, going to be filling in on Fox News Sunday. So oh, well, fantastic. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. I'll see you there. All right, Shannon Bream, thanks so much for joining me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rich. And we'll be right back here on The Guy Benson Show. Don't go away. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. This is The Guy Benson Show. Thanks for being here this afternoon. Guys off today. Rich Zioli from WPHT in Philadelphia with you. Thanks for hanging out this afternoon. I should have mentioned, too, you know, I mentioned it. I, the rumor was that I heard it was Justice uh, Thomas. It was actually Justice Alito. And thanks to producer Christine for sending me the actual story on that. I appreciate it. So according to a tweet from uh, one of the writers at townhall.com, Rebecca Downs, she said, I've updated my piece for townhall.com to include reports that Justice Samuel Alito has been moved to an undisclosed location with his family. The man is doing his job slash constitutional duty and has to fear for his life slash safety and that of the rest of his family, which is just outrageous and could so incredibly wrong. These protesters are acting not surprising that they're acting this way, just incredibly outrageous that they are. I also saw that uh, White House uh, press secretary slash acting president Jen Psaki was just up at the podium uh, a short time ago and she was asked about the baby formula issue. And she gave the usual pablum about we're doing everything we possibly can. And the FDA, give me a break. They're not doing everything they possibly can. It, it's taking the, the, the story to boil over because parents are paranoid and, and, and rightfully so about being able to feed their kids that the white house is even commenting on the story but they're not doing everything in their power who are they kidding uh i noticed too that there's a lot of chatter out there about possibly having the government repay student loan debt now if you've paid off your student loans you might be thinking well then can i can i do something else then could i maybe i don't know maybe have them pay my mortgage or my car bills or something like that uh no that's uh, not how this works uh, Elizabeth Warren, she was on The View, and co-host Lindsey Granger asked her about loan forgiveness and, you know, what happens to people who've already who've already might have paid their loans off. And now, of course, I'm sure you're going to hear Elizabeth Warren really answer the question in great detail, not at all dodge it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, cut 22, please. What do you say to someone like me who worked two jobs for a decade to pay off all their student loans, just finished? Where do I sign up for reimbursement? So let's start out. <laughs> with who has student loans today. Um, about 40% of the folks with student loans don't have a college diploma. They're folks who tried. Yeah. They're folks who tried and life happened. Pregnancies, uh, uh, they were already working two jobs and lost one of them. Uh, mom got sick, family had to move somewhere else. And now they earn what a high school grad earns and they're trying to pay off college level debt. And it is crushing mm -hmm. their bones. Keep in mind that of those who have student Still loan debt, more than half have negative wealth. They don't have any wealth. Yeah, is it still not answering? Still not answering the question. Not answering and still not answering and not answering again. So just completely dodging her point. 
which is, hey, what do I do if I've already paid my student loans off? Do I get a refund or something? No. Uh, I was pretty happy to hear Bill Maher mention this on on his show on HBO. And he had on Democrat operative Paul Begala. Now, Begala helped elect Bill Clinton. So he comes from that world of James Carville and the others who, who understand that at least the Democrats have to pretend like they care about working class people and not just about coastal elites. Uh, let's start with Cut 25. A lot of people are saying this is a loser issue. I'll give you some brief numbers here. Why that is 13 percent of Americans have college debt, federal college debt. So that's not a lot of people you're working to. 65% don't go to college at all. 50% of the college debt goes to people going to grad school, which, come on, a lot of that is just bullshitting around. (laughs) You don't know what to do, and you can keep going to school for free. So it just looks like a loser issue for the party that is trying to win back the working class, that we're going to subsidize. We who didn't go to college and didn't benefit from that are going to subsidize you to get your degree in gender studies and sports marketing and all the other bull that they take in college. I, I, I think it's a loser issue for Biden. It's a loser issue for It's a loser issue for Democrats in general. And I got to give Paul Begala credit. He points that out. Cut 26. We Democrats have a a, a lab, two labs, actually, secret labs, one in Berkeley and one in Brooklyn, where we come up with ideas to completely piss off the working class. And it's working wonderfully. Um, We... Oh, yes, they have. They have. And they all have PhDs. Right. In in pissing off the working class. Somehow in my lifetime, the Democrats have gone from being the party of the factory floor to being the party of faculty lounge. I I went last week. I spent uh, Wednesday last week uh, in Chicago with the machinist union, hung out with the machinists all day. Great guys. Not one of them came up to me and said, gee, I really hope you take my tax dollars to pay off the debt of somebody who went to Stanford. Right. Okay, if, but I have I, so Biden's under enormous pressure. He's he's not for it. He didn't campaign for it. He says he'll relieve maybe ten thousand dollars, which I suppose is good. But what I'd much rather see Democrats do is go back to their roots, which is earn it. <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not wrong. This is going to absolutely infuriate working class voters who have to go then work hard all day. And then pay off somebody's art history degree. No, thank you. This is the Guy Benson Show. Big four o'clock hour. We'll talk about the border. Tom Homan will be here. Don't go away. Live from the most powerful city in the world. From the unconventional talk. From the fresh, unconventional conservative. Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson Show. The crisis at the border continues as the Obama administration has clearly said, come on in. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. It's me, Rich Zioli from Philadelphia with you this afternoon. Thanks for being here today. Uh, very excited to welcome Tom Holman. He is the former acting director of the United States Immigration and Customs Enforcement and a visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. So what's I mean, the crisis down the border, the, the media is ignoring it once again, where we've got Title 42 in the news. I think most Americans believe it's absolutely insane to reverse Title 42 at this point, uh, while they're still telling us to mask up on airplanes or at least recommending it anyway. There really just seems to be no end in sight to this. 
Well, what people need to understand, even with Title 42, we're in a, we're in a hell of a, a situation. Last year, we had historic illegal immigration. Administration says 1.7. I say 1.9 million because we're not counting port of entry cases, which they should. But then again, DHS has been lying from day one, not being transparent. But let, let, even taking their number into account, 1.7 million in one year was a record. And we're on a glide path right now to beat last year's numbers by half a million. So the numbers are going to be another historic high, even with Title 42 still in place. And the Border Patrol is so overwhelmed that just last month they reported the highest ever in a monthly period, 221,000. But the scariest thing about that is they recorded 67,000 known gotaways based on camera traffic and drone traffic that they couldn't respond to. Think about that for a moment. 67,000 people entered this country last month that weren't arrested, weren't fingerprinted, no biographical information, no record checks. They've arrested 42 people on the terrorist watch list. How many of that 67,000 was on that same list? How many of the 700,000 since Joe Biden become president known got away, 700,000, are on that same list? That just scare every American, and that's with Title 42 in place. When you say known gotaways, that means we literally have no way to track them, no idea where they go, nothing? No, it, but people say, where are you calling the number? It's based on, literally, the Border Patrol records drone traffic, camera traffic, and sensor traffic they can't respond to because they're busy with family units. They've already made it 50 to 70 70% of their manpower is no longer on the line. So that's when people get away. And and that's our and that's just our known gotaways. That's the ones that actually tripped a sensor or camera. We don't know how many that we don't know that didn't trip a, a sensor or camera. So it's going to be a lot higher than 700,000. We just can't we can't say for sure how many because we don't know what we don't know. Senator John Cornyn uh, put an op-ed for FoxNews.com, and he says that the Biden administration is letting the southern border crisis rage on. He, 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 they're happy with this. They want this to occur. Absolutely. This is by design. Look, I said I wrote an op-ed for FoxNews.com. What, in, in, it's coming on two years now. I said if Joe Biden becomes president, we will lose the border. Look, when you make the promises he made, and he kept all his promises by signing a series of over – 90 executive orders, pretty much abolishing every policy right. we created on the Trump administration. Yeah, you, this isn't mismanagement. This isn't incompetence. This is by design. And why do I say that? Because of two things. Number one, at the same time they opened the border up, they de- they decapitated ICE. Secretary told ICE, you can no longer arrest somebody for simply being in the country illegally. Well, that's a hell of a message to send during a crisis. People think enter the country now and ICE can't arrest them, which is true. And on top of that, Joe Biden, one the, another one of the first things he did in the first couple of weeks is overturn the Trump census rule, which means these millions be counted the next census, which result more seats in the House with Democrats. This is about perpetual power. No, this is by design. This is 100 percent designed because the Secretary of Homeland Security, who needs to be impeached, he can't point to a single thing that he has done to slow the flow or have some sort of enforcement strategy on the border. It's all about, from day one, send more resources down there. The process and release quicker so there doesn't be, appear to be overcrowding, then they say, nothing to see here, no, no crisis here. But when you process and release quicker, the cartels use that to get more people to come. And they realize you're not going to be detained and you're going to be released. And, and as a matter of fact, we're going to fly you to the city of your choice. Mayorkas also said he, he made this claim that anyone who does not have a valid asylum claim, that they, that those individuals are promptly removed from the United States. Lie. 
lie. Look, he lied two, three times. His borders closed, lie. He says people who, who don't qualify for sign promptly move, lie. Okay, then show us the numbers, Mr. Secretary. Show us how many people ICE says deported that lost an asylum case. Because on the same breath, you told ICE they can't arrest somebody for simply being here illegally. So apparently, an immigration court order doesn't mean anything anymore. But show us the numbers. Th- this is why they have not released the ICE Enforcement Removal Operations Report. They've released every day, every year in the last 12 years, before January. Now we're already five months past due. Where's that report? And that report would clearly say how many people have been removed by ICE, how many were arrested by Border Patrol, turned over ICE, how many people lost their asylum claim, were removed by ICE. They haven't released those numbers because it would prove that he's lying to Congress. I, I, I got a lot of friends in high levels of ICE. I won't say who they are because I don't want them to see them lose their jobs. But they told me they're not looking for them. They're not even looking for these people who lose their cases. So he lied once again. And let me say something. He says everybody released, a third lie, everybody released is immediately replaced in the immigration enforcement proceedings. Really? Well, tell me about the thousands upon thousands you released with a notice to report. Because a notice to report, I have a copy of one. It says right bottom of the notice to report, you are not in immigration proceedings. You won't be detained for humanitarian reasons. If they're not going to be in immigration proceedings unless they choose to voluntarily surrender themselves to an ICE office down the road. So another lie. He lied at least three times. That can be proven. He needs to be not only charged with a crime, he needs to be impeached. But th- th- there were three stone-cold lies that I sat there and watched that man say. Tom Holman, let me ask you this, too. I mean, when you you think about the fentanyl crisis at the southern border, we hear about this a lot. I mean, I, I typically broadcast my show in Philadelphia, but uh, even in Philadelphia, it's concerned because I think everybody forgets sometimes that every state is a border state. You, you may not be physically connected to the border, but you feel the effects of it. And we need to understand that more so than 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 really in the past, because we've always had this idea of, well, you've got border states and you have all these other states. But if they're trafficking fentanyl, it's being sold on the streets of Kensington in Philadelphia. Look, the fentanyl, you know, DEA is on record saying 95% of the fentanyl is coming across the southwest border. Why is there a pandemic? Because, as I said earlier, 50 to 70% of border agents are no longer on the line, which means 50 to 70% of that border is wide open. For instance, just one, one example, when they had the 15,000 Haitians under the bridge, they brought every agent in to process that mess and get them out of that quickly and release them. There's 224 miles of border that wasn't patrolled for days. 50 to 70% of border patrol is not on the line. Yeah, that fentanyl is going to every city, town, state across this country. And just not that. Look, I've been down Rio Grande Valley a dozen times this past year. Every time I get on a plane from Rio Grande Valley to Dallas, get my connection back to D.C., that plane is more than half full of illegal aliens with taxpayer-funded airline tickets, and they're going all over the country. People say, well, how does that affect me? It's going to affect overcrowded schools where these kids can't speak English. So it's going to slow the school the school classes down. They're going to be overcrowded. Trauma centers are already starting to are starting to close because trauma centers can't keep treating people for free as the law requires them when they walk in there. They say they pass the cost side to you and me, but they don't. And and the third thing is they drive wages down. Right now, you can't find a roofing company or a construction company in the state of Virginia who doesn't have illegal aliens on their, on their payroll. What does that do? That, hurt, that hurts the companies that are U.S. citizens. I talked to one father and son. who He owned a roofing company with over 20 U.S. citizen roofers. He had to shut his company down because he couldn't compete with the roofing companies that are paying illegal aliens five bucks an hour to get on the roof. 
this is going to be devastating to our economy. It's going to drive wages down. It's going to hurt our hospitals, our social systems. One of the first things I do in the gear has a child. I mean, when, when I was the director of ICE, we went and looked for family units. And when we went looking for these women and children and, and, and fathers and children, 40% of the women that were released and lost their case, 40% within a year were already pregnant or had a USC child. And, and people would say, well, illegal aliens don't take advantage of social services. Yes, they do, because they have a U.S. citizen child, they qualify. But also, there's a lot of states, like California and New York. Even if you're an illegal alien, you can take, you can take advantage of the tuition assistance. You can take uh, advantage of the medical systems. It's, it's, it's going to – this nation, we're already in a, in, a, in, a, in a financial crisis. We're already in a you know, slowdown or our economic turnaround after the pandemic. This is only going to make it worse. Tom Homans with me, former acting director of the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation. A uh, recent poll that came out that said more than one in three Americans are concerned that there is an effort underway to replace U.S.-born Americans with immigrants for electoral gains. And, of course, The Washington Post, you know, spins that to be anti-immigrant rhetoric. But I, I think it, it, it's it's a valid point, which is that if, if all these people are coming into our country illegally and they're not becoming U.S. citizens and they're able to influence our politics, that's a that's an incredibly uh, scary proposition for, for, for American citizens. I mean, they can scream at us and tell us that it's just because we're hateful that we feel that way. But I don't think people are buying that. I think the, the reality is there's a legitimate reason to be concerned right now uh, about the fact that in some places you allow in local elections now illegal immigrants to even vote potentially. Yeah, look, and I said, you know, they really truly believe. Look, people always ask me, well, what, the Democrats hate this country. Why would they want open borders? Because there's no downside in secure borders. No downside unless women get sexually assaulted by the cartels. No downside in children not dying coming across that river. No downside unless fentanyl coming across this border that's killed over 100,000 people this year. For for God's sake, why would they want open borders? Because they want they want to transform what this country is. And we've heard it many times. And and look, they truly perceive a potential uh, a political benefit in the future. If they, you know, they're going to give amnesty. They think these people are going to vote with Democrat in the future, but they don't even have to vote. Like I said a few minutes ago, they just got to be counted in the census. Many of these people are going to be flying to California and New York, and they're going to be counting sanctuary cities. And when the census is over and they sign seats, who gets what seats? Democrats are going to gain seats in the House. They know that. They know that's a short-term plan. The long-term plan, they think these people become future Democratic voters. They, they want to they fundamentally transform the makeup of this country. They want political power for the future. There is no other reason. No one can give me a single reason they're doing this. They're, they're bankrolling cartels. Over 100,000 Americans have died of fentanyl overdoses. I mean, at what point do we say enough? And look, they, they arrested 42 people on the terrorist watch list. And you got 700,000 gotaways. So I don't care what your position is in immigration, public health, Public, you know, public uh, safety because of the gangs and, and, and drugs coming across. National security alone should join us all. Republicans and Democrats say this doesn't work. And the Secretary of Security had one ounce of integrity, knowing that 42 were arrested, 700,000 got away since he became president. He would say, I can no longer support this. I'm the Secretary of Homeland Security. There is no way the Border Patrol arrested people from 161 countries, some that sponsored terrorism. We got over 700,000 gotaways. I'm not a stupid man. You've got to understand that at least one made a buy, and we can't support open borders anymore. It puts this country at great risk of a national security crisis. That man had one ounce of integrity. He would resign. 
or, or tell the White House, I'm done with this. We've got to protect our borders. You can't have national security if you don't have border security. After 9-11, we put processes in place. You can't get a visa if there's derogatory information on you. You can't get a plane ticket. It, and they run you through a myriad of databases, including DOD intel databases. You can't get a ticket. You can't get a visa. Well, that, those, those processes mean nothing. Now, because you can simply walk across what south, walk across the southwest border the same way seven hundred thousand others did, and not be arrested and not go through screening. This is a serious, serious national security issue. Tom Holman, thanks for joining me today on the show. Appreciate it very much. You got it. All right, we got a lot more to t- get to here on the show, including the governor of Mississippi. He says his state will ban abortion if Roe v. Wade is overturned. Don't go away. Fresh conservative talk, Guy Benson Show. It is the Guy Benson Show. Welcome back. Great to be with you this afternoon. You can follow me on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Wanted to share some audio with you from some of the weekend shows. Uh, so, uh, obviously, the Democrats are melting down over the potential overturn of Roe v. Wade, and they can't help themselves. They they just keep thinking that that is the most important issue that is on people's minds right now. Um, Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi was on TV over the weekend, and she was saying now that women need to keep pressure on the Supreme Court before the final decision, which is odd. Because it sounds to me like she wants politics to influence the decision of the judiciary. And I thought we don't do that stuff. I thought we try to keep politics separate from court opinions. And also, you know, if you're of the mindset like I am that this leak was was done to try to persuade some justice to change his mind. And I'm in my mind probably thinking the target is probably Brett Kavanaugh. If anyone who's a target, it would be him. Um, Then this kind of goes along with why somebody would leak this because they're trying to get – pressure on the Supreme Court so that the justices change their mind. Cut number three. We have to be uh, have a clarity in what this draft decision means so that the final decision doesn't go that far. The chief justice has said this is this is authentic, but it is not final. I don't know mm-hmm. if these were authentic. It's right. real, but not final. So, uh, again, the Lincoln said public sentiment is everything. With it, you can yeah. accomplish almost anything. Without it, nothing. And women just have to weigh in. I don't yeah. think there's a good outcome here, but I think there's a better outcome than what we have seen in the first draft, which is radical. Yeah, so, you know, keep up the pressure on them. So they bow to public pressure. And and, and a um, home of a pro-life, a pro-life group just recently uh, caught on fire here. Fire breaks out at Wisconsin anti-abortion group office. This is from the Hill.com reporting this. Police investigating possible arson at Wisconsin anti-abortion office. That that's going on as we speak. But again, again, it's just, you know, when Peter Ducey asks Jen Psaki about this, this kind of stuff and Justice Alito having to have his family move to safety because of all the nutbag protesters that are out there. Um, don't you think it's a little bit extreme? Maybe the maybe the White House should issue something, say something, maybe keep them calm. You know, something a little bit like that. Uh, cut eight. Do you think. The progressive activists that are now planning protests outside some of the justices' houses are extreme. Peaceful protest? No, peaceful protest is not extreme. These activists posted a map with the home addresses of the Supreme Court justices. Is that the kind of thing this president wants? The president's view is that there's a lot of passion, a lot of fear 
uh, a lot of uh, sadness from many, many people across this country about what they saw in that leaked document. Uh, we obviously want people's privacy to be respected. We want people to protest peacefully if they want to, to protest. You remember the summer of love in 2020 when all those peaceful protests were going on, when cities were being burned down and everything else was happening? Peaceful, right? Very, very peaceful. Well, that's where we are right now. We're, we're, at, we're at the same thing where we've got uh, pro-life groups are having their headquarters burned down. Jen Psaki continued here, cut number nine. Some of these justices have young kids, but their neighbors are not all public figures. So would the president think about waving off activists that want to go into residential neighborhoods in Virginia and Maryland? Uh, Peter, look, I think our view here is that peaceful protest. There's a long history in the United States and the country of that. And we certainly encourage people to uh, keep it peaceful and not resort to any level of violence. But what about at their homes, justices' homes? Is there a difference there? Cut 10. So he doesn't care if they're protesting outside the Supreme Court or outside someone's private residence. I, I don't have an official U.S. government position on where people protest. Oh, I want right. it, we, we want it, of course, to be peaceful. And yeah. certainly but the their homes are fine, want- right? Their lawns, their front lawns. Why not? Right. This is the Guy Benson Show. Joe Concha will be my guest straight ahead. Don't go away. We've got left-wing groups now that have published the addresses of justices. The intent of this clerk was to bully and threaten and intimidate the justices to changing their votes. And i got to say this week, it was shameful that the White House refused to condemn violent protesters threatening the families of the Supreme Court. It is disgraceful. And Joe Biden used to be chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Joe Biden knows it's disgraceful. He's literally threatening the lives of these justices by the mob they're unleashing. It's the same thing we saw with Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots where the left embraced Mm -hmm. them. And now they're embracing mob violence to get their, their, their partisan outcome. That was Senator Ted Cruz. Welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, with you this afternoon. Well, Joe Concha probably agrees with that. He's got a column he just posted over the weekend. White House tacitly endorses intimidation of Supreme Court justices. Hey, Joe Concha, thanks for joining me this afternoon. How are you doing? Uh, thanks, Rich. Um, I'm, in, I'm in a playground right now, and there's like a 50-mile-an-hour wind, so I'm going to duck into my car real quick. Hopefully, oh. get the wind out of here. But, uh, yeah, let, let's let's talk about this because it's a You're very important You're not seeing a cow floating or anything, are you? No, no, no. <laughs> not yet. Uh, but, yeah, uh, what can you say about this? I mean, here you have – let's say you're Amy Comey Barrett, for example. You've got seven kids at home, and you've got mobs outside. And, and the White House, when they had the chance to condemn this – Full-throated last week, Jen Psaki wouldn't do it. The president wouldn't do it. And with Joe Biden, quite frankly, I'm not surprised because he's the same guy who said when Kirsten Cinema was being harassed in a bathroom, you may remember, Arizona State, where she had to hide in a stall yeah. while uh, protesters were, were filming her. And he said, well, it's just part of the process. That's an exact quote. So, uh, yeah, that apparently it's okay when you do these sort of things. But I am certain that if Jen Psaki's house uh, was met with a mob or Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's or Elizabeth Warren's, uh, that the media would, would, you know, they'd run out of fainting couches if, if this happened, if pro-life marchers or, or protesters went to their houses. But since this is the right and they're conservatives, well, everything's OK. So for the most part, I haven't seen a lot of condemnation of this from anybody of major uh, substance in the media. Uh, and, and, and it's just par for the course at this point, Rich. 
Yeah, Joe, and they're talking about now that Alito and his family had to move out of their house to temporary uh, housing. And the Senate now is moving to quickly try to pass legislation. I saw this on TheHill.com that would extend security to family members of Supreme Court justices amid all these protests. I mean, the fact that they've got to scramble right now to get the Supreme Court of the United States police to provide round-the-clock protection to family members, uh, I mean, that's insane that we're at this place right now. Rich, are you surprised? Because I, uh, yeah, when I read that, I said, wait a minute. They don't have round-the-clock security already? I mean, uh, you ever read the Pelican Brief? I, 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 these people, <laughs> right, and if anybody hasn't read the Pelican Brief out there, it's, it's basically a story. The movie was horrible, Julia Roberts and Denzel Washington's only bad movie. But I mean, come on. Yeah, well, horrible's a stretch. It was okay. It wasn't great, but the movie, <laughs> was, I mean, it's still Julia but, Roberts. Come on. It's, you're right. You're right. Early 90s, Julia Roberts. Uh, but, but look. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the book, uh, you know, if anybody wants to read it, it's, it's about two Supreme Court justices that are murdered, right? And obviously that's to change the, 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 the tilt power back to whatever party was trying to carry that out, or at least the people, you know, that, uh, that, that they hired to do it. And, and that's the thing. Like, I was shocked when I heard that these guys don't have, and girls don't have round-the-clock security, uh, given what's at stake and given how many crazy people are out there. And, and the example I used in my column, as you know, was after what happened with Steve Scalise, uh, you know, it, it, at that baseball practice uh, five years ago in, in Virginia, when he was shot, several other aides were shot. Uh, Scalise only had protection because he was the minority whip. If he wasn't a ranking member, uh, then Capitol Police wouldn't have been there that day to provide them protection. Even DeSantis was at that practice, uh, by the way, uh, at the time as well. So after that, you would think that anytime you start to see people showing up at people's private homes, uh, that it could lead to something very bad. I, I was just, I shouldn't say shocked because this president doesn't surprise me anymore, but that even here, you, could, you don't have Democrats saying, wait, this is wrong. You want to protest, do it at the Supreme Court, but you can't do it at a justice house, which, by the way, is illegal, right? You can't do that uh, according to the U.S. Code. Right. Exactly, Joe Concha. And just to have the White House say, look, just keep it in front of the Supreme Court building and keep it peaceful. They can't do that because they know that these extremes are their base now and that's who they want. And now we have another thing where the headquarters of an anti-abortion group just spontaneously set on fire. So I'm sure that we're going to have a lot of these peaceful protests where things just, you know, spontaneously just go on fire like this. Oh, man. Just close your eyes for a second if you're listening out there. Rich, you too as well. And picture Donald Trump saying that, okay, go ahead and peacefully protest at the homes of those who are pro-choice or who are against the Second Amendment. And and just, again, picture the reaction if this were the other way around. It's just – I don't know. I'm out of yeah. words at this point because it's not – it's almost predictable, and that's what's sad, that, that we – I wonder if we had another 9-11 right now, right, if, if we would have the reaction like we did in 2001 where like Bush's approval was at like 93 percent or something like that. Everybody rallied around him and got the standing ovation at Yankee Stadium. Could you see that happening now? I think even an event like that, it would be a bunch of finger-pointing and people trying to exploit it for political gain. And that's how divided we've come as a country at this point, Rich. Well, I think if a Democrat was in office, they would they would guilt you into not coming together. If a Republican was in office, they would tell you why you shouldn't come together. I think that's probably how this would go. Uh, but in terms of predictions, trailer. though, I think more importantly than anything is the fact that your 8-year-old daughter picked Rich Strike as the winner of the Kentucky Derby. Can you explain <laughs> that to us, Joe Concha? I have video proof of this and everything. Yeah, she... You know, we're, we're going to go watch the, the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I'm a big horse racing guy. My, my dad uh, is as well. So just to make it a little more interesting, I said, well, we'll even bet on it if you want to. And betting means giving daddy $2 out of your uh, piggy bank and picking a horse. <laughs> so 
I, I had to explain the odds to my eight-year-old and my six-year-old, and they were just enthralled with the fact that there was one horse. I think Rich Strike was actually like 99 to 1 in the morning line, right, or at least 90 to 1. So I said, all right, so if you pick this horse, you put $2 on it, you could win, you know, a lot of money, like $180, right, because it's two times 90. And, oh, well, we want that horse. I'm like, but you understand the horse is, you know, 80, 90 to 1 for a reason. It almost has no shot of winning. And then my daughter's like, nope, <laughs> that gets me the most money. It's only $2, so what do I care? Like, boy, this kid's smart. And sure enough, <laughs> take that, Steve Kornacki. Right. And your daughter's not even wearing khaki pants. It's great. Yeah, exactly. No, I like Steve. Uh, he's one of the same people uh, over at that network. But, um, yeah, uh, even my son picked the fourth place horse, which was like a 30 to 1 shot or something. So uh, I'm at a lot of money. Imagine that. You have to then go to your you know, go, go to the ATM and pay your kid $181 on a $2 bet. I mean, that hurt a lot. But, yeah, hey, uh, exactly. Uh, College will hurt more. That's the way I figure it, Rich. I mean, if, if she goes to Georgetown where my, my wife went, that's 80000 a year now. I mean, what the $320,000 before taxes? I got to spend it. This kid wants to go to the same school as her mother. I mean, even if she, they go to a state school like I did, Maryland, that's like 50 now. What, what's going on? I mean, I, I, we should be talking more about that instead of student loan forgiveness. Get the college costs down somehow. It's crazy. I know it's done a complete 180 on the topic, by the way. Sorry. Well, no, it's okay. It's my fault. I led you on that road, but I'm a fellow Terp, so that's what we do to each other. It's what happens. Happens. And, and Kornacki's oh, wow. a Jersey guy like me, so I, I'm used to his predictions, you know, and I like him too, actually. He's one of the, the, the few at MSNBC that stand out. When were you at Maryland? I was at Maryland in the mid-90s. Did we know each other? Did we hang out? Uh, if you went to the VU and Elbow Room. And, and, of course. Uh, we, did we you go to Bentley's? Did you, did you hang out there? I was more of a Santa Fe guy, you know, uh-huh. as I got into my uh, elder years of 21. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> the seller primarily because that was the only one where you literally could show a library card and they're like, all right, good enough, go on in. So, uh, but, but, oh, oh, so you were there? That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder the, if we did like bump into each other at one point, but we didn't know later we'd be doing a, an interview on a popular radio show. That's kind of cool. Did you, were you an attorney at Maryland? I was. Uh, Pi Kappa Phi, we were number eight on the row. All right, so yeah. I was final to Theta, so I'm sure we were at the Greek Olympics together at some point, Joe Concha. I'm sure we were hanging out there together. And probably oh, drinking from those theta. taps at the cellar that they never cleaned, and then there was always the rumors of the tapeworms in them. I don't know if there ever were for quarter pitcher <laughs> night, but just the thought of that alone just still makes me cringe. Just the thought that you could buy a pitcher of beer for 25, you know, 25 cents or dollar beer night at, at Santa Fe on Tuesday night. I mean, the fact that you could pay so little for such great enjoyment. Now I go out in New York City, I get a drink at like Del Frisco's, which is next to Fox News. I'm paying $18 for one glass of bourbon. I <laughs> beers with this back in college. What the hell? Well, in Biden's uh, America, quarter pitcher night is now a $32 night, I believe. Right, exactly. It's gone up. Oh, I, I mean, you're right about that. I, I shop for uh, the family every Saturday. I kind of take that role for whatever reason. And uh, I, I swear, when people talk about inflation and how real it is, it, I feel like I'm paying double now at this point for everything. You know, what used to cost X is Y. And just to circle back the, the conversation uh, to, to the whole abortion argument, I think in the end, when people say this is the, the, the issue that Democrats are waiting for, now they're energized. I'm sorry. No, I think both sides are energized. I think it's a wash, and it goes right back to the issues that are going to decide this election. Uh, inflation, gas prices, crime, the border, Ukraine, education, then maybe abortion. But then that's just a wash anyway, because we're basically a 50-50 country on that issue, despite the fact the media will make you believe that we're like 90-10 pro-choice. It's not the case. It's, it's always been stubbornly even when it comes to uh, pro-life and pro-choice, Rich. 
Could not agree with you more, Joe. Thanks so much for making the time today. I know you got to run. Joe Concha, everybody. Follow him on Twitter, at Joe Concha TV, and, of course, follow his articles at The Hill and foxnews.com, where he seems to be on from 5 a.m. until 11 p.m. Because when I get ready for my morning show in Philadelphia, I'm watching Fox and Friends first. There's Joe Concha, so the man literally doesn't sleep. You know, all that cluck you chicken in, in College Park, it just uh, <laughs> uh, to this day. And that's that. Fuck Let's you. meet up. I'll buy you a little Roman. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. See you. Uh, much more to come here on the Guy Benson Show, but let me just mention before I uh, I go to break, let me just say, you know, in the point of that Joe just made about the uh, it's a wash, I could not agree with him more. It's absolutely a wash, and I think that you're seeing that reflecting in the poll numbers. And I, I opened the show today with that about these these moms out in Phoenix, these voters out in Phoenix who are looking at the issue now, uh, and, and they're saying the same thing, even the pro-choice ones, that abortion is not the number one issue. The economy is the number one issue. And now, look, maybe that will change, but I, I don't think that's the case. And I wanted to quickly play for you this audio from the governor of Mississippi, Governor Tate Reeves, on what his state plans to do. And keep in mind now that Tate Reeves is, like every other governor in America, elected by the people of his state. So I assume that the people of his state um, agree with this, and this is why he's doing it. Um, cut number five. If, in fact, the, the leaked opinion, Chuck, is accurate, and if, in fact, this court votes to overturn Roe, you are correct, our trigger law will go into effect and we will ban abortions with the exceptions of rape and the the life of the mother because of that trigger law that passed uh, in 2007. Now, again, I mean, if the people of his state don't like it, then the people of his state can vote him out because that's how that goes. But I think the reality of the situation is that you're going to see certain states react a certain way. So, in other words, maybe Mississippi state politics might be affected by this if large swaths of voters disagree, but... Are voters in other parts of the country going to react to Mississippi voting this way? Assuming also that the, that people understand the truth of the matter, too, which is that people can leave Mississippi or also probably get something via telehealth these days. I don't know, but it just seems like this idea that voters are going to just vote on this issue. But that's what Democrats are selling. Democrats are selling that point. And I think that they are way off on this point. I mean, Amy Klobuchar, and I don't have the time to play it for you, but she said over the weekend, she said, women will vote like they've never voted before. Well, I agree with her on one thing. I do think women will vote like they've never voted before, but it's going to be what drives them to vote like they've never voted before is not abortion. It's going to be the fact that they can barely fill their tank with gas and pay for their groceries and afford everything. That is what going is what is going to drive them to the polls, period. All right, we got a lot more to talk about here on The Guy Benson Show. Before we uh, end the hour, though, I'd be remiss if I did not ask the question, what happened at those at that resort in the Bahamas with the deaths of the American tourists there? They're now saying it might have been the air conditioning. Don't go away. Guy Benson will be right back. Well, I don't know about you, but I think we all could use a nice vacation these days. Who couldn't and who wouldn't love being able to be at a beautiful resort in the Bahamas, Bermuda, someplace in the Caribbean? You go there, you have no worries, right? You just relax and you enjoy yourself there, except uh, if you die because you are an American tourist at the Sandals Bahamas Resort, which, by the way, is a very swanky resort. Um, it's a freaky story. 
this whole thing. And, and, and I guess some more details might be coming out about it. But basically what we know right now is that this five-star resort in the Caribbean, all-inclusive, and I love the all-inclusive resort thing too because, you know, you, 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 love, you love the whole idea of being able to not have to bring your wallet out. I mean, it's all included, right, but you don't have to pay anything extra. But, you know, but it's a nice way to travel. But the autopsy results for three Americans found dead could come as early as today. And they haven't seen an update yet on FoxNews.com, but they're saying now the Sandals Bahamas deaths, the son of American hospitalized in Miami, says she woke up and couldn't move. Uh, and, and the son of the mother who was airlifted, this is the son of the mother who was airlifted, said she, she woke up during the health scare, couldn't move, and she fell ill at the Bahamas resort. Three other Americans were found dead. Scary stuff. Now, I, I, I think they're saying that might have been the air conditioning, but and I was talking to producer Christine about this, and we were saying that there was that one time that at, at a resort, I guess it was the booze, right, Christine? That was in the in the in the mini bar, the the fridge in the room. That was in the Dominican Republic. I think that was about three or four years ago that uh, a few Americans had died. Um, they were funneling in some cheap booze that I don't think was uh, grade A quality. That's You got to be careful. I know you just said you like these all-inclusive places. You have to be careful. Yeah. Not 100% on these places. A, I don't know if the quality is always going to be as good as you expect it to be because there's so much quantity that they need to put out that I think it, it affects the quality. So mm, I'm, not, I'm not for these places. Yeah, I have a buddy who just went to Mexico and, and he and his wife opted not to do the all inclusive. They went to a swanky resort where you had to pay out of pocket for everything. I, I don't know how much money it saves even to go to an all inclusive resort versus that, because it really depends on how much you drink. I mean, if you're not going to sit there and drink hundreds of dollars worth of booze every day, and if you have children or a liver, how can you? So then maybe it doesn't really even make financial sense. Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, I I am a fan of the booze. That's we not, love booze. That's no surprise. Our happy anybody. hour starts in a few moments. <laughs> that's no surprise to anybody. But um, I just, I don't know. I I worry about these these type of places. I'm also, and my husband is too. We're food snobs. We just got back from L.A. and you know, we just we like nice restaurants. So it's not something that I would do. But this sounds very fishy to me. This whole thing, I don't understand how. An air conditioning system that went faulty could just take out a few people and not the whole building. So something is not right there. I worry that this will also be a cover up because, you know, the you know, the Bahamas, they they thrive on tourism. Like that's where they make most of their money. So they're, they're going to try to make this, you know, the least possible scandal they could probably think of to make sure that people are still coming there. I agree with you. I, I think we'll probably never really know the truth. The, the State Department says it's monitoring the situation. Well, what the hell does that mean? They're monitoring the situation. Would you go? Let me ask you something. Would you, if you were booked at this yeah. Sandals for next week with mm-hmm. your family and something like this happened, would you still go? No. But can I give you a caveat? I would book a trip to Sandals at that exact Sandals right now because I'd probably get a really good deal. Gosh. But if I already had a trip booked, I wouldn't have gotten the good deal because I would have booked the trip before the deaths. But now's the time to book at that resort. Come on. It's going to be fine. Whatever this was was an isolated incident or maybe it was a, an assassination of some sort. But that went horribly nope. wrong. I don't know. You would never see me at this place. I am. I'm never. If, no, if I see it in the news, I remember um, there's people there right now, you know. 
Yeah, they should go home. <laughs> unless, unless they want to advertise with us, then I'm all for it. I'll be there soon. <laughs> unless they want to sponsor the, uh, the happy hour. Uh, otherwise, uh, we're not going. Basically right. Well, we have the happy hour starting in a matter of moments, uh, and we're very excited to pull out your long drinks. Byron York is going to be here. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Guy Benson, coming right back. Five o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. It is the happy hour, and it's Rich Zioli in for Guy Benson on this happy hour. We're very, very happy, and I got my long drink open, and I'm ready to go. I'm very, very happy to welcome to the show Byron York is here. That's right. It's great to have him with us today. Of course, he is the chief political correspondent, Washington Examiner, Fox News contributor, and author of The Daily Memo, a daily newsletter from The Washington Examiner. Of course, he's also the author of the book Obsession, Inside the Washington Establishment's Never-Ending War on Trump. Uh, Byron York, great to have you here. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Your latest piece, which I which is great, as always, at WashingtonExaminer.com, Democrats hide abortion bill radical roots. And this is important to really understand because we're hearing a lot now from Chuck Schumer, who seems very unhappy. He, he would not be welcome on our happy hour right now. <laughs> well, obviously, um, after the leak of this Supreme Court uh, opinion, which may or may not ultimately happen, but if it did, it would uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. After that, Democrats uh, on the Hill began to promise that they would uh, pass a bill, or at least bring to, to a vote, a bill to legalize uh, abortion in uh, across the country, and to and to forbid and to ban any states from passing their own limits on abortion. So. This is not the first time the Democrats have tried this, so they didn't write a new bill. Charles Schumer uh, pledges to bring it to a vote this Wednesday. Uh, what they did was they took a bill from last year. Uh, it was called the Women's, uh, Women's Health Protection Act of 2021, and they turned it into the Women's Health Protection Act of 2022. Um, but it, the, the acts are a lot different when you look at them. I, I thought it was kind of interesting. The, the one last year, they're all. It was uh, uh, by Richard Blumenthal, the Democratic senator, with 47 Democratic co-signers. So virtually every single Democrat in the Senate signed on. The one last year was 26 pages. This one this year is 13 pages. And what's the difference? The difference is they took out a bunch of radical stuff that was in the bill last year. And this year, with more people paying attention, they're trying to make it appear less radical than it was last year. But it's still radical, and it's, it's, just, it's just a couple differences. You write that it begins by declaring abortion to be essential health care and then denouncing attempts to limit abortion. Correct. Uh, and that's that's actually in both. That is kind of standard Democratic rhetoric. So what's extraordinary about the, the earlier bill is that it talks about something called reproductive justice, capital R, capital J. Um, it's a human right, and everyone should have it. And it seeks to address – I'm going to actually um, – 
uh, read, quote from it, reproductive justice seeks to address restrictions on reproductive health, including abortion, that perpetuate systems of oppression, lack of bodily autonomy, white supremacy, and anti-black racism. So the bill talks about uh, racism, oppression, misogyny, um, uh, the oppression of uh, black, indigenous, and other people of color, uh, BIPOC, that's a common uh, acronym you see in, in progressive rhetoric. Um, and, and it also has to deal with the question of who actually uh, gets pregnant because they don't want to just limit it to women because they're progressive Democrats. Uh, and so there's a long part in the last year's bill about that the Democrats have taken out of this year's bill. Which is funny because up until five minutes ago, we kept hearing about birthing persons, the pregnant man yeah. emoji, and, and, and then all of a sudden that was dropped for the war on women. So we, we finally know how to define a woman again. And I guess, you know, look, Republican war on birthing persons just doesn't have the same ring to it that war on women does, right? Well, you know, what's interesting is the, the bill this year, just like the one last year, is the Women's Health Protection Act. But if you look at the Women's Health Protection Act of 2022, the one Charles Schumer is going to force a vote on this week, the word women appears exactly once in the title, Women's Health Protection Act of 2022. It's nowhere anywhere in the rest of the bill. It all refers to persons uh, who uh, want to um, – to end a pregnancy. So in 2021, they actually had to explain this because they did use the word women. And they, I'll read it. This is from the bill, 2021. Same authors, same co-sponsors, same everything as this year. The terms woman and women are used in this bill to reflect the identity of the majority of people targeted and affected by restrictions on abortion services. Okay, that's certainly true. And to address squarely the targeted restrictions on abortion, which are rooted in misogyny. However, access to abortion services is critical to the health of every person capable of becoming pregnant. <laughs> this act is intended to protect all people with the capacity for pregnancy, cisgender women, transgender men, non-binary individuals, and those who identify with a different gender and others, end quote. So they throw in others, and you know, just in case there's somebody else who's capable of getting pregnant that they forgot to mention in that list. Right, in case there's another hashtag they want to throw around uh, very soon. <laughs> got to reserve the right. Well, I mean, look, it's, it's just – I mean, it's, it's so bizarre because uh, Democrats have for many years – have um, have used feminist rhetoric in their in their political campaigns, uh, lots of women's rights rhetoric, and now they're having trouble with the word women, um, which is just really odd. It does not it does not appear in the Women's Health Protection Act, um, and they cannot even say that women are the only people um, who become pregnant and give birth. Uh, or have abortions. They can't say this. They have to. They have to include this larger group. Um, and what can you say? They, they, they've just kind of tortured the words and the rhetoric to this point that you get the Women's Health Protection Act of 2022. 
Yeah, and, and it's as you as you put uh, point out on Twitter, Byron York, they hide the the other stuff. You know, they they took out the misogyny, the systems of oppression, the white supremacy, the BIPOC, the you know persons of color, and and more. But still tortured by the question of just who can get pregnant. Which, of course, if you can't answer that question, it's very very hard to scream about how Republicans hate women because you still can't answer the question of who can get pregnant. Well, it goes back to that bizarre answer that Ketanji Brown-Jackson, who is President uh, Trump's confirmed nominee to the Supreme Court, who's not on the Supreme Court yet. President Biden's, um, right. When she was, I'm sorry, President Biden's, when she was asked, you know, to define woman, wasn't out of the blues, it was in part of a longer conversation, and she wouldn't do it. She said she wasn't a biologist, so she couldn't do it. Um, and here again, this is the party that has used the rhetoric of women's rights for a generation or more. Um, in their political appeal, who's, who's, who's counted on strong support from women voters, and now they seem to be stumbling all over themselves on the issue of what a woman is, um, what a person who gives birth is, and uh, what a person who gets an abortion is. It's just really very, very odd. Meanwhile, in reality, women are having a tough time filling up their cars with gasoline and buying groceries for their kids and finding formula for their babies. Those actual women voters, I think, are going to be more concerned about those issues as we head into the fall than certainly uh, what their birthing person counterparts might be thinking about this fall. Yeah, all of the, um, the polling that we've seen even after this Supreme Court draft leak uh, shows that um, – other issues are just much more important than abortion for the midterms. Uh, Politico did a poll after the leak and gave gave people seven categories of issues. What's the most important issue for you as you think about the midterms? Uh, things like um, economic issues or um, um, uh, security issues, border issues, health care issues, seniors issues, and there were seven of them. And women's issues, of which abortion was one, came in fifth out of seven. Only 8% of voters cited it as their, their big reason. Um, and if you look, that's really mostly Democratic women. But only 18% of Democratic women said it was their most important issue. So uh, by, by, by every, every indication we have, uh, shows us that economic issues are paramount in people's minds, and how could they not be, given how much it costs to fill up your car with gas or go to the grocery store? Uh, you know, the the price of a bag of groceries just is that is that a hundred and fifty dollar bag of groceries? Wow! Yeah. Um, that that's going up so much. Uh, the price of housing, and now that uh, it's gotten so high, and now interest rates, mortgage interest rates, have over five percent. Um, I mean, just all sorts of things are happening that to most voters are more important than this Roe controversy. Byron, does the bill make saying Happy Mother's Day illegal? Does it have to change it to Happy Birthing Person's Day? Is that going to be a new law, you think? Well, they just wouldn't put it in the bill. Uh, <laughs> I think that's, that's the idea. I mean, just remember, the Women's Health Protection Act does not contain, other than the title, the word women. And I can't believe there isn't more outrage among progressives that the title even has the word women in it. 
Well, who knows? I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, privy to their private emails to one another. Maybe they are upset. But <laughs> this bill is coming up uh, on Wednesday, according to uh, Senator Schumer. But it was written, the, the 2021 version was written last summer. And again, all that stuff I was reading from it, it was co-sponsored by, written by Senator Blumenthal and co-sponsored by 47 other Democrats. That is virtually every single senator, Democratic senator in the Senate. Well, I have two questions for you, Byron York. Number one, if Blumenthal wrote the original bill and he's a man, how is he allowed to have an opinion on abortion? Number two, uh, do you think there'll be any any people that this time around vote no on it? Well, um, I'm going to pass pass on the first one. Blumenthal's <laughs> you know, done a lot um, uh, on this issue. Uh, on the, the second part, uh, we already know that Senator Manchin is not going to go for it. Um, and, of course, that does it right there because Democrats only have 50 right. votes in the Senate. And the, 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 one of the reasons they took out all of the radical stuff was that I think they were hoping to get uh, one of the two Republicans, Senator Collins or Senator Murkowski or both of them. Don't think they're going to get them either. So it's just not, it's just not going to pass. They, there's no no reason even to try to carve out um, a hole for the filibuster in this in the filibuster for this because it's just not going to have it's not going to make it to 50 votes. So that's pretty clear. Um, but it is amusing that um, they just took out all of this radical phraseology in hopes of getting somebody who was not radical on this issue to support it, but apparently not. Democrats hide abortion bill radical roots. Byron York, chief political correspondent. Thanks so much for joining me here on The Guy Benson Show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We will be right back on The Guy Benson Show. The question is, are you paying attention to the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial? If you're not, you probably should, because it may be the end of Me Too and the Me Too movement's automatic believe every woman. Amber Heard may be effectively destroying all of that with her testimony in the trial. Don't go away. The Guy Benson Show. More next. All right, welcome back to The Guy Benson Show. It is me, Rich Zioli, with you this afternoon. Uh, appreciate your thoughts. You know, the, the whole issue of this Johnny Depp trial, it's, it's been fascinating, and it's consuming America right now, even more so than maybe O.J. did. Uh, and it seems to be never-ending, because Amber Heard, who is Johnny Depp's uh, ex-wife, still has to be cross-examined by Johnny Depp's legal team. A little backstory on this. Basically, she years ago wrote this op-ed in the Washington Post, which was written by the ACLU, alleging all this stuff. And while not naming Johnny Depp, everybody knew she was talking about Johnny Johnny Depp. And Johnny Depp claims it cost him major roles in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, uh, Fantastic Beasts, and he lost like $50 million. So he sued for defamation. Uh, and so this trial has been insane because we've heard about uh, cocaine. We've heard about grumpies. We've heard about all these things. And we've even heard Amber Heard just in some of the most histrionic demonstrations on the stand. And I was reading a story from some legal observers who said that she's 
so over the top and so histrionic and so dramatic. And, he, and these are women attorneys who are writing this, uh, that essentially now it would be very, very difficult for the jury to believe her. But that doesn't mean necessarily that Johnny Depp's going to win the trial because of the standard here of absolute malice that's being used. But just to give you a little bit of an example, and I asked the question on Twitter last week. You can follow me on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Does Amber Heard have any defenders? Are there any defenders out there? Because there's a ton of people on social media who are backing up Johnny. I don't see people backing up Amber Heard. And it, it, it seems like everybody, even women, have come forward to say, yeah, no, it, this just doesn't sound normal. Even a grief expert, a trauma expert was saying that in this clip you're going to hear nobody who actually ever goes through that ever actually remembers this level of detail. Take a listen to what I mean. Didn't physically hurt me. I was just sitting there on this on on this carpet, looking at the dirty carpet, wondering how I wound up on this carpet and why I was never why I never noticed that the carpet was so filthy before. And I just didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to react. I just sat there thinking, how much time do I have till I figure out what I need to do? Because God, did he just hit me? So the story that I read, basically the whole, whole idea of this level of detail where you're talking about the carpet, where somebody who actually goes through abuse, their mind protects them in such a way that it, it basically puts out other, de- you know, covers up other details like that. You don't really focus on stuff like that as a defense protection mechanism. And that's what experts who deal with trauma and actual domestic abuse are saying. So let me ask producer Christine. Uh, Christine, are you hearing a big uh, Amber Heard defense choir on social media or out there among your circles? No. No, not at all. I think what the thing a lot of women are saying is, okay, yes, something. Listen, Johnny doesn't seem like, you know, a stand-up, amazing peach of a a gentleman. But but she's just crazy, and she's overacting. And, I mean, she admits to, to hitting him herself, and it's on video. So there's something... I don't know if he's, like you said, necessarily going to win the case, but I do take exception about noticing the carpet. I believe she could have possibly noticed the carpet because let me tell you something, Rich. Yes. Let me tell you a little story. About a year ago, I was taking a walk in my neighborhood and I was being chased by a pit bull. Like I thought the thing was going to kill me. So um, what does any normal girl do? I ran into the middle of the street and flagged down the first car that was stopping by, and I literally jumped into his van because that's safe, right? Mm. Oh, absolutely. And he drove me home, and I noticed that his car was very, very, very messy. And I remember (laughs) thinking to myself, you never know when people are going to jump into your van. Like, maybe clean it up a little bit. So just a little humor there. But (laughs) just never know. (laughs) Well, I was thinking maybe you look at his van and go, how messy, and thinking you may have jumped into a van of a serial killer because it was so messy. I didn't care. I didn't care at that point. At that moment, I don't care. No, I I really didn't. (laughs) But in all seriousness, this this is just so, all of it is theatrical, and it's really just down to like two narcissistic people having some sort of spat in front of all of us, and we're just eating it all up. Well said. Some sort of uh, dramatic histrionic spat by two over-the-top, self-absorbed Hollywood narcissists. We'll be right back.
You're listening to a new generation of talk, Guy Benson. All right, welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. Earlier, had the chance to chat and catch up with Shannon Bream, chief legal correspondent and anchor of Fox News Channel's Fox News at Night with Shannon Bream. She's also, as you're going to find out, a huge winner in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, she called this one. This is great. So we had a great time catching up. Take a listen. Let me ask you about some of the, the protests that are happening right now, because liberals seem to be losing their mind as they're celebrating protests outside Supreme Court justices' homes. And I heard, I don't know if it's true or not, that Chief Justice John Roberts and his family had to be relocated uh, from his home. I mean, it's getting very dangerous out there. Well, the thing is, is, I think regardless of where you are in this issue of abortion or the Supreme Court or anything else, across the ideological spectrum, we should condemn this kind of stuff. Um, we shouldn't want, just, yes. you know, protesters showing up at Justice Kagan or Justice Breyers or Sotomayor's. I mean, it just I think the vast majority of Americans, that's where they're at. Like, listen, free speech. Let's get out there. You know, we have protests all day, every day in D.C. But when you go to someone's house and you're making direct threats or scaring their kids and they can't go to work or go to school, I think we've crossed a line that most Americans would agree is not okay. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. And we, you know, peaceful protests are one thing, but they're encouraging people to go to their homes and do it. And I just think that there's also something wrong with that. You know, protests in the public square, protests outside the United States Supreme Court. It's not like the justices aren't going to know how you feel about the issue. But when you're, you Mm -hmm. just, you cross the line when you go to the home and and there's kids in the neighborhood and, and neighbors. And I don't think there's any place for that. Well, and listen, we have seen many iterations of this, the whole, you know, meet them at the gas pump and at the grocery store and tell them you don't. I think they have to decide as a society, like, what we're okay with. Should we yeah. chase people out of restaurants? Is that okay? Is it okay to go to the, the homes? Is it okay to talk to the kids? I mean, we have to figure out where to draw some lines. So there is actually federal law that, that it, it bans you going to a judge's place of work or their residence with the intent of trying to influence or harass them into voting a certain way. And I think a lot of people would have a good argument that we saw some of that this weekend. Um, uh, certainly some people are showing up just to express their displeasure. And wouldn't the craziest head fake of all be if that draft opinion isn't the actual final opinion, because all kinds of things can happen and votes can change. Um, but I would say most of them are there in what they hope will be an effort to change a justice's vote or their mind. Um, and, and so I think we need to make sure that, you know, wherever they are on the ideological spectrum, our leaders and our justices and people who um, have very difficult jobs are protected to the extent that, no, not that they're never going to have to hear something they don't like because we all have to hear that every day, um, but that they would actually feel physically threatened or their family. I think that's a different uh, that's a different conversation. Shannon Bream is with me, of course. Uh, she's got a brand new book out as well, which makes a great gift for moms. The mothers and daughters of the Bible speak. Uh, by the way, happy Mother's Day. Did you have a nice day yesterday? I did. I was still recovering from Rich Strike. You know what can I say? <laughs> um, <laughs> we got back to D.C. last night. And listen, if you messed up and you missed Mother's Day, you can redeem yourself by buying this book. There you That's go. all you got to do. And you're That's out of the doghouse. Uh, and you put in a very nice picture of you and, and, and your mom on Twitter, right? It was very, really nice that you did yeah. that. I, I think that and there is – oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, I mean, my mom is clearly my greatest role model in life, but she's a horse person. And I had placed a couple bets for her, and she was so super excited um, to kind of live through us vicariously. Um, you know, I FaceTimed her from uh, the Derby, and we, had, we enjoyed that. I mean, but she's, she's somebody who is cheering for you no matter what. 
when you think about where things are right now in, in this national conversation, I mean, the Democrats have a new bill out right now on abortion, and they only mention the word women in the bill in the title, and that's it. Byron York has a piece on this today. And the rest of the bill talks about people who can birth children. And, you know, we don't, as a nation, it's strange because before the Roe leak, we were talking about birthing persons and pregnant men emoji, and now we're back to war on women, but not really because they're still afraid to say the word women in in this in this country right now it's very bizarre and extremely woke it's been very interesting to watch because i think it's a reminder for all of us to be consistent about what our positions are what we believe um and, and the principles hopefully we all have some core principles um but i do think it's interesting to watch the language and how it's being parsed and the fact that um you know we do talk about as you said birthing persons and um, you know, being careful with the language, and and we see employers and hospitals and people putting out language guidance for their employees saying, don't use sex-explained language and don't use mother or woman when you're talking about people having a baby. But, but you're right. As soon as um, we get this leaked draft, which could be the opinion that could possibly overturn Roe, um, then it becomes an attack on women's rights. So listen, just let's all try to be consistent. I think that would make it easier to have these conversations. But when we mess with our language, um, it. it it creates a lot of confusion. I think that's the nicest way to say it. It's a very nice, and you are such a nice person, so that's a very nice way for you to put it, of course. <laughs> I try. Uh, you do a great job with it. You're, you're an inspiration to all of us in these very challenging times. Uh, one of the theories going out there right now, and, I, and I'm curious if you have a, a, any thoughts on this, this NPR reporter who believes that the leak of the possible overturn of Roe v. Wade, and again, it's it's a leak, it's, it's a draft opinion, it may not be the final opinion, but mm-hmm. this NPR reporter believes that this was probably a conservative clerk who put it out there. Uh, Obviously, conventional wisdom seems to believe that it's somebody on the left who's putting it out there to try to at least pressure one of the justices to flip their vote before the final vote comes through. But Nina Totenberg of NPR believes that it might be a conservative clerk who put this out there. What are your thoughts on that? I think anything is possible. I really don't think you can rule out anything because this is such an egregious, crazy decision to breach this sacred um, place of business and an institution that most Americans feel pretty good about, although, you know, we're losing confidence in a lot of our institutions. I think where I disagree with Nina is I would not call it the leading theory. Um, I don't think we can rule anything out yet. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's a, a scenario I could understand where, you know, at least five justices had voted at some point with Justice Alito, uh, got a look at his opinion, and, and maybe somebody was wavering or wanted to peel off from that opinion, which would then make it not the, the majority opinion of the court. And I can see that someone conservative says, no, I'm going to put this out there and show like there were at least five votes we'd agreed to this. Don't let them get weak in the knees. Make them publicly stand by it. Um, anything possible. Do I think it's more likely it was somebody on the other side who was sending out a warning shot and, and they view themselves as a whistleblower in light of history? Um, I think that's more likely, but I don't think we can rule anything out yet. I do think the chief is going to get to the bottom of this. I do actually have confidence in him to do that. Do you think that the person deserves to be, I mean, fired, I think we all agree with, but prosecuted? Mm-hmm. I mean, what what happens? Because to your point, Shannon Bream, the, the trust of the Supreme Court is so vital and the justices and the clerks mm-hmm. all have to trust each other and have that camaraderie and know that what they talk about stays secret. They got to have the treehouse of trust here because otherwise, mm-hmm. how can you form opinions on cases and how can you disagree and debate if you know it's all going to be in the public forum? So it, it's really important as I see it to make sure that this never happens again by mm-hmm. handling this unprecedented leak in the right way. 
Yeah, you're so right. We don't want this to become normal practice where somebody on the right or the left disagrees and blows the whole thing up and links the, uh, the draft opinions. The justices can't work together that way. Um, so I, we started immediately thinking, all right, as a law been broken here, there's a debate. Were these classified documents? No, not in the sense of national security. All right. For more of that, go to GuyBensonShow.com. And thanks again to Shannon Bream for joining me. When we get back, the question, of course, is would you eat ice cream with bacon and maple? And, well, yeah, actually, that sounds fantastic. Why am I even answering the question? But can we all agree at least there's one sin when it comes to food that we, we can all as a nation get behind? I'll tell you about that. Weird ice cream flavors is a topic in the Wall Street Journal. Probably distract us from how bad the market's doing today. We'll be right back. For the full interview and more, go to GuyBensonShow.com. All right, welcome back to the Guy Benson Show. It is uh, great to be with you this afternoon. Thanks for hanging out with me. I appreciate it very much. You know, we've talked a lot about all the big issues of the day today, but I, I woke up and I was reading the Wall Street Journal, and they had this whole thing about weird ice cream flavors because it's churning up discord. There's a lot of discord. We can't even agree on ice cream flavors. As a country, we cannot even agree on ice cream flavors. And some of these just really cross the line here. Like, for example, they have everything bagel ice cream, which I know that guy himself had. And I know he tried it on the air from Jenny's ice cream. And I and what did he say, Christine? It was kind of like, meh. Is that how he, he looked at it? It wasn't his favorite. No, he wouldn't yeah. be ordering it, you know, himself. Yeah, too much onion, right? Probably too much onion. Mm, I, he didn't he didn't mention that. He just felt like it shouldn't be an ice cream flavor. Yeah. Well, this Jenny's ice cream, and they have a store in Philadelphia. So I was I went by there the other day, and they have a lot of wacky flavors. They really do. But this is the whole thing now. Everybody, and they're twelve dollars a pint of ice cream. By the way, twelve bucks. I mean, I know inflation's killing us, and Biden's economy is brutal. But still, are you willing to shell out twelve bucks for a pint, not a gallon of ice cream, but a pint of ice cream? That's a lot. I, I would if it if it's good and if it's something that I love, then yes, of course I'll pint. All right. Fair enough. I understand. This is uh, they, they offer flavors that are savory and also very controversial, for example. So they have another one here. There's a, there's another ice cream maker. They have um, pizza, ham, wasabi and goat cheese. That's an ice cream flavor. Oh, huh. pizza, I, ham, mm. wasabi and goat cheese. Together. They also have Kraft macaroni and cheese ice cream. That's in Walmart. I think I would probably try that, though. Um, I'm a Velveeta Macaroni and cheese gal. <laughs> I always went with the yeah. fancier one. You always got to be the contrarian. Come on. Velveeta <laughs> versus Kraft. Oh, 1,000. Are, are you kidding? Velveeta shells, there's nothing that compares. You can't even argue that with me. I'm going to bring my five-year-old in here to argue with you, actually, because she is a Kraft girl. Really? See, my daughter is Stouffer's. Hmm. She loves, you know, the one that you could put it in the microwave. Or bake it. Yeah, or bake it. I mean, who has I mean, if you, want, if you got 40 minutes to kill, you bake, you bake the Stouffer's macaroni and cheese in the <laughs> oven. <laughs> yeah, we don't do that. We just, you know, take it out of the freezer, put it in the microwave. But no, there, there are times, like my husband is definitely a craft, you know, with the powdered cheese. Mm-hmm. I'm, we have them all. We have Stouffer's, we have Velveeta, and then we have the craft. So you'd rather have the, the packet where you got to squeeze it and that big, thick glob of cheese drops down onto the pasta and then you got to you got to swirl it all up. You're, you're, are you're, you you're, are you you're referring? It's called liquid gold. That's <laughs> what I refer to it as. Imagine that in your arteries. I think it looks exactly the same as it does in the in the silver package. I, every time <laughs> when I do make it, I look it down. I go, this just can't be good. Cannot be good. But 
boy, is it deliver- delicious. And you know what else you do with those shells and cheese? Oh, you, you, you fry up some um, hot dogs, cut them up, put them right in there. Oh, chef's kiss. Delicious. Yeah, actually, I'm with you on the hot dogs. And uh, how about this? Really, real controversial. Ketchup. Oh, no. No? no. I lost you there, huh? You put, no, you're lying now. How about this? How about an ice cream flavor, Grey Poupon Dijon with pretzels? Uh, see, I'm not, I'm not a girl who loves flavors on my pretzel. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like, I, my husband the other day brought home these honey mustard pretzels. No, just give me a regular pretzel with more salt, the better. Well, you know, I mean, I'm in Philly. We are the pretzel capital of the world. As I, I thought you, you were the, um, what is that thing that you guys love with cheese steaks? Yeah. Well, ugh, I don't well, like them. Well, that too. There's a cheesesteak ice cream, by the way. There's also a, a, since you're a North Jersey girl, there's a Taylor ham, egg, and cheese ice cream Ooh. that an ice cream shop up in North Jersey called Windy Brow Farm serves. Taylor ham, egg, and cheese ice cream. Would you eat it? I would definitely try it. Yeah. I, I, I would love to try any of these. I am I love sweet. So any, you know, like anything that you can just throw, like chocolate chips and marshmallow or anything like that, like bring it on. I have such a sweet tooth. Well, you know how everybody's divided by age on everything? So you got the millennials, and they're they're annoying about most things. Well, they're also annoying about ice cream, too. So when you look into younger people, younger groups are tending to be more experimental. They want things like wasabi in their ice cream and all this other stuff. And then people like us, I guess the boomers, we I mean, though we're younger than boomers. Hey, hey, but hey, still. who are you well, calling a boomer over there? <laughs> well, as anybody who disagrees with them is, okay, boomer, right? Well, we're the ones who wanted it to be a little bit more conventional. We like, oh, you know, uh, give me vanilla, give me chocolate, give me strawberry. Yeah, I, I definitely can see that. I'm definitely old school when it comes to that stuff, too. But listen, we've got to be hip, Rich. We can't let ourselves be the boomers. We've got, and I, I don't know why I'm putting myself in your category. No. I, I, yeah, no. And I'm a young woman, no matter what Guy Benson says. Okay, well, if you're young and hip, would you eat Parmesan and zucchini bread ice cream? That's a hard no. I can't be that. It's a hard no, right? No. But, How about Gouda with moonshine cranberries? That sounds okay, pretty good, I, wait, actually. I have a question. Yeah. Moonshine cranberries. Is that saying we're soaking these cranberries <laughs> in moonshine? No, I'm serious. Are we soaking them in the hooch? Mm. Well, if we do, then I'm in. Me too. Oh, yeah. count me in. Yeah, I'm in. And also bourbon. We can all agree bourbon makes any ice cream anything better. Bourbon ice cream? Hmm. No, I'm not. A, I'm not a huge bourbon fan. And trust me, I love booze. We talk about it all the time on this show. Well, we're we we are in the middle of the happy hour, so we should. Let me actually the end of the happy hour. Let me ask you this. Now, what I do with pizza is I take Mike's hot honey, and I and I drizzle hot honey on my pizza, and it's the most wonderful concoction ever made. Are you in? I've never been. What is Mike's hot honey? It's hot honey. Like hot, like hot, like to the touch hot? No, like hot to the taste. It's I'm, not like it's on fire. It's it's spicy. It's spicy honey. I never even heard of this before. I didn't know honey could be spicy. Sure, and they put and it's made with chilies, and so it's got a it's got a spicy sweet kick to it that just makes everything wonderful. You could put it on ice cream. You could put it on pizza. I tell everybody because I have my wood fired pizza at home, as you know, Christine. I make the wood fired pizza. I drizzle the hot honey on it, and it's heaven. Now let me let me let me talk to you about heaven right now when it comes to pizza. Very Dan is already telling me don't do it. <laughs> this has been a topic we've talked about a lot, but I have a feeling you'll you'll go with me on this one. All right. Now you got a pizza oven, right? I do. 
All right, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna come over. Okay. Um, we're gonna have some, you know, uh, soaked moonshine cranberries. Done. We're not gonna put it on the pizza though. Let's no. just eat them. Okay. We'll just eat them. Yeah. Um, I like vodka. Can you make a good Cosmo? I, I can make you a Cosmo. No Great. problem. It's easy. Perfect. Now let's get to the pizza. You ready for this? Let's do it. You're gonna have some that pizza dough. It's gonna be nice. Mm-hmm. You're gonna put some cheese and some sauce on there. Mm-hmm. Then we're gonna cut up some pineapple. You're gonna put mm. the, yeah. Wait, hold on. Mm. I'm not done. Mm. I'm not done. Mm-mm. I'm no. not done. Then we're gonna get some bacon, and we're gonna put that next to the pineapple, mm. and then we're gonna bake it, mm. and then we're gonna have a fun time eating pineapple and bacon on pizza. And if I say no to you, it, it's fine because what you'll do is you'll just order it from. You were in North Jersey, probably one of the pizza capitals of the United States, and this is what you eat. And where do you find such a hideous concoction? I know it's going to sound crazy, but my favorite, favorite place to get this is Domino's. They make the best pineapple pizza. Oh, come on. I, I Domino's. Dan is booing me. You got to bring Dan in. He's booing me right now. Booing me. This is the word. It's I can't even explain how bad that is and not pizza. It's just not pizza. It, be, no. it becomes like a dessert. No, no, I agree with you, Dan. And by the way, there's so many nice local mom and pop pizzerias. What, what are you ordering from Domino's? Well, well, here's the thing. I am Italian. I'm a lot Italian. No, you're not Italian. <laughs> I just revoked your Italian card because you're going for Domino's and getting pineapple pizza. Did Guy text you before the show? No, but is that what Guy, has he revoked it oh, from you? Oh, yes. Yes, many a time. I actually would be embarrassed to go into a local pizzeria in New Jersey and be like, hey, can you get me some pineapple and bacon? So, but And so I've discovered... That Domino's makes a delicious version of this pie. And it really is, it's really good. Yeah, Domino's, really good. call me. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're like the people that eat Beyond Burgers. You know that? It's not Oh, real. I just had it's my first fi- Beyond Burger. It's not bad. Oh, it's not bad. It's yeah, not you bad. know what else is not bad? Pineapple on a pizza because it's terrible. So it can't be bad because it's terrible. So that's why I'd say it's not bad. Got it? All right. That's enough. It's enough. I can't hear it. I can't do it anymore, Christine. Please don't ask me to fill in again if I've got to hear this. This is just not fair. It's not fair. All right. Actually, I had a great time. Thank you for hanging out with me this afternoon. Guy will be back. And in the meantime, tweet me at Rich Zioli. Thank you for hanging out here on The Guy Benson Show. We'll see you soon. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.